Welcome to the Stink Show. I'm Stink. I am he, the man they call Stink. Uh, that's not my real name, guys. It's it's uh, it's a moniker I use on Twitter. Uh, stinky Think Tank. Stinky Think Tank. Uh, yeah, and uh, it's a shit circus. But I, I, I've been promising this a couple times that I was going to tell you about this guy. Um, so, um, or, you know, a couple episodes ago, I told you the whole thing about my my grandpa and war stories, and how I I've I've kind of had a, a, a free pass to not really pay attention to war stories and um you know a couple i i was i was listening back to see how stupid and, and dumb i sounded telling that story and pretty dumb um and it and you'd be surprised also because i'm so naive about wars because of that i've just avoided it my whole life i'm, I'm very um uh, i was never into history class or anything like that i was uh, because i just wasn't into high school or learning I almost had like a premonition that someday we would have Google and Wikipedia because I was always just like going through high school like I can look into this later. I don't need to be doing this now. All of you're going to tell me about world history. Is it going to change? All right, maybe I'll give a shit in five years and I'll, and I'll read some books. But right now I don't care. And who the fuck do I need to prove it to that I know about world history? So I didn't know anything about wars or anything. But uh, I've got a couple friends that are that are way smarter than me and way more educated. And uh, often they find it kind of funny. When I'll say something sort of like, ah, oh, you know, 2016 was the worst year in the history of the of the world. And they'll just be like, dude, don't talk out loud in public if you're going to say stupid things. Like, this isn't that bad. And you certainly aren't one to say it. And I was like, yeah, you know, that probably sounds dumb. Anyway, I say stupid shit all the time, and I, and I don't know what's going on. I have very little, uh, 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 you know, access to, to it. But uh, So I asked what a brig was. Remember, I, I was like, what the fuck is a brig? Well, Twitter came through. Couple people responded, and and apparently it's it's a jail, it's a navy jail. Um, but I really enjoyed this this answer from Don McCracken, um, which I, I don't want to like say any more about it. But uh, he he I told him I was going to probably quote this. Um, so I asked about what a brig is, and I was you know I'm me on Twitter, which is I'm a, I'm kind of a fuckstick. So when people give me any kind of earnest reply, sometimes I'm caught off guard. But Don McCracken, a, a navy jail. They used to put guys in there for three days of nothing but bread and water. When I used to pick them up after their sentence, I would stop at Burger King and buy them a meal. Um, I was touched by that, probably a little bit to the extent of because I was I'm going through the a few good men thing, and uh, that's you know we just did the Kendrick scene, and that's that's uh that's sort of a subplot in here, um, but uh, in in the movie it sounds so dramatic, and Don made it so human. And I just I I, w- I wanted to share that because I like to hear stories um, about sort of you know the humanity. I don't I don't fully understand all the disciplinary advantages of of even you know what they're talking about in a few good men. Like they'll beat the shit out of somebody if they don't make their bed right. Like how does that really honestly protect the country? Because it sounds like a bunch of fucking ass grabbing, uh, you know, 
disciplinary masculine fucking who's in charge, whatever. Now, I understand breaking somebody down, building them back up. I understand counting on somebody and all of that. But it, I, I'm not going to. I'm not going to go much further, but I'd love to hear about the humanity about somebody who just realizes, hey, these people are hungry and I got to feed them. They're in, in the end. They're on my they're on my side. Don McCracken. Thank you. OK, so back to the script. Where are we? We are at uh, the bottom of page 116. And uh, yeah, uh, uh, Jumpin' Jack Ross has just, uh, you know, objected to to what happened to Kendrick as uh, Kathy kind of kind of badgered that witness and good for him because fucking Kendrick's played by you know Kiefer yeah alright moving on swap uh, nerf ball slams into a hoop yeah Caffey's it's like Caffey can only think when he's not thinking and I know a guy like that I used to I've, uh, I'm 47 now and uh, it's been a while since I've worked in that office job and, and had the privilege of working with those people but I think back and I had this you know 15 20 year career in a in a white collar office job at a very reputable contractor's office, and um, I, I I was like 42 before I realized that there was any reason to ever have a radio not on, and not turned all the way up, it, I, like literally after my divorce and living alone, did I finally like get rid of my my sort of uh, fear of of silence? I hate I hate quiet. Yeah, not a big deal where I live now. Um, but I, I, like any, I'm so in love with music and, and there's so much of it that I want to, you know, listen to for the first time or listen or re-listen to, or, you know, reconnect with that any moment I can have a, a radio on stereo on CD, you know, Spotify on anything, anything that can make, that can play the music that I want to hear. Um, I do it and I do it as loud as I could. And that was just how my life was. And any, I, I'm sure a zillion people walked in and out of my life at multiple times um, one being the wolf and, and my friend also who who I hope you guys will hear his voice and meet him again if I haven't already brought him on, but he he's pointed out to me many times like dude, you're the the music you put on the background when you're like trying to chill with people, is the most annoying shit in the world. Like I, I only know how to play rock and roll, and I assume it's the it's the default for everything, and he kind of was like dude, there's R and B, there's there's so like fucking a man, there's jazz. There's good blues. Like open your, like you're an open-minded guy, but my God, you're an op- a closed-minded music lover. And he's right. So I listen to, anyway. So I'm always listening to music. But uh, yeah, I was in this job, and I, I fucking had the radio on all the time as loud as I could, and it it never dawned on me like, oh, I'm bothering other people. We haven't even started really reading the script today, huh? Okay, page one sixteen. I got set off because it said Nerf Ball, and I, I'm just I'm thinking back to like I was that guy who everybody else is like seriously at their desk on a phone call with a client and I'm in my office playing Nerf ball and, and people walk in and they're like, what are you doing? And I'm like, this is how I think. This is how I figure things out. And and it's, uh, yeah, it's an immature thing I did for a long time and, and uh, I only partially feel guilty. Maybe at the end of this episode or the next, I'll tell the C's candy story. Maybe. All right, so pull back to reveal interior Caffey's apartment night. Joe and Caffey. Caffey's pumped and shooting baskets as Sam walks in with some bound papers under his arm. Caffey, what's the word? This is the Tower Chief's log for that night. Oh, tell me more. Jessup was telling the truth. The 6 a.m. flight was the first plane out. Caffey lets the ball drop out of his hands. Oh, fumble. Uh, Caffey says, let me see that. Cut to exterior, a motel night. Um, you guys know the difference between a motel and a hotel? Something to do with cars. 
uh, in the parking lot and hallways and shit. I don't know. Anyway, I don't know. Uh, a sedan, U.S. Marshal stencil on the door, sits in front of one of the rooms. Okay. In- inconspicuous. And the two federal agents inside the car are reading a newspaper as Kathy's car pulls next to them. Kathy jumps out. Agent number one sticks his head out the window and calls to Kathy. Agent number one, working late, Lieutenant. Kathy pays no attention, bangs on Markinson's door. The door opens and Kathy walks into uh, interior motel room. He uh, tosses the logbook on the table. Real quick, this I'll, I swear to God, I'll make this one quick. Uh, I just listened to an Aaron Sorkin interview. He's, he's on a podcast that I listened to, and uh, I think it's Happy, Sad, Mad. It's Aaron Sorkin number two. And uh, Sorkin kind of admitted that, you know, he looks for he looks for stories that he would be good at writing scripts for, et cetera. But he admits, I'm sure a lot of you guys have heard this in other interviews, um, that he, he he basically writes people talking in rooms. And, you know, you, everything like social network and West Wing and all this stuff is, yeah, it's, people, it's very indoor. And he said when he's writing a script, when he, yep, up, oh, drink, there's a, I think that's an ambulance. No, that might be, uh, that might be fire. I'm trying to learn the different ones. Hmm. Trying to learn the different sirens, so you know, running running gag on the ba- on the podcast will be if it's an ambulance or a cop or a fire engine or the FBI, whatever. Okay, so uh, Markinson's door, Kathy walks in. Uh, anyway, oh yeah, Sorkin was saying if if he even types ext exterior into a script, he says he gets nervous because he, he can't visualize and he can't see where people are coming in and coming out and everything. And yeah. Uh, by the way, that's called blocking a scene coming in and coming out and all the music, all, all the moving and stuff like that. And uh, for, for me, that's it, it, it's, an, it's a mistake. I'm going to try to learn to stop stuttering, but it, I'm not doing great yet. Uh, the, I think it's a mistake for young directors that, that I've seen a lot of them make that they don't spend enough time um, really discussing and focusing on the blocking of a scene. Um and, and to me, it's another it's another little trick to making good films versus like amateur student films or or bad, you know, uh, made for TV movies or something is the blocking. Um, it, you, you can tell when people are uh, opening themselves to, to the camera or if they're aware, if they're too aware of where the camera's placed or if they're, you know, inconspicuously three people sitting on two sides of the table because it, because it makes the camera frame look better. Um, uh, yeah, film, young filmmakers out there, actors or directors, um, just take your time, block it out, think it through, uh, and come up with, you know, be, it's, be, just be creative. Don't just come up with, okay, the lighting works this way for the, for the lighting guy and, and, and we can't do this for the sound guy or anything. No, think, think it through and make sure you've got a, a scene whether that, that you can edit together later or whether you're going to do it blocked, you know, run, run the scene through and through. Make sure all that blocking looks natural, uh, including exits and entrances and how do you start and, and everything. Um, it's, a, it's an amateur kind of tell when scenes start kind of too perfectly um, or when people just kind of seem lost in space other than being able to be heard and seen by the camera. Um, there you go. Stink tip. Uh, for the for the the a few good men season right there stink tip that I basically just stole right straight from Aaron Sorkin interview on that other podcast. Okay, motel. Uh, he tosses the logbook on the table. Kathy, there was no flight at eleven o'clock. What the fuck are you trying to pull? Markinson, the first flight stateside left Guantanamo Bay at eleven and arrived at Andrews Air Force Base, Maryland, at a few minutes past two. Then why the hell isn't it listed in the Tower Chief's log? <laughs> 
Why the hell do you think it would be? Caffey's silent, and now it begins to sink in. Ah, what are you telling me? He fixed the logbook? Setback. Big setback. Caffey, well, maybe he can make it so a plane didn't take off, but I can sure as hell prove that one landed. I'll get the logbook from Andrews. Markinson says nothing, but his face says that Caffey was born yesterday. Caffey, he made an entire flight disappear? Markinson, Nathan Jessup is about to be named Director of Operations for the National Security Council. You don't get to that position without knowing how to sidestep a few landmines. And putting me on the stand isn't going to make him step on one. Caffey stares at him, then shakes his head, sighs, and picks the, up the logbook off the table and heads uh, for the door. Uh, Caffey, you're taking the stand Thursday. Caffey leaves. Hold on, Markinson. Cut to Caffey's apartment. Um... I'm going to c- confirm this because I hate, I, I shouldn't, I should never just fucking guess at shit, but you're going to, I mean, everybody, listen, if, if you guys are like directors and real people out there listening, I admit, uh, I'm self-taught and maybe I'm making up a bunch of my bullshit stuff. Um, if, if there's anything I'm saying that's incorrect, please contact me and correct me in some way, at least tell me so uh, I don't repeat something that I, I heard from a monkey on a fucking, you know, student film uh, and have repeated as gospel. Um, but you know, that's what I think. Um, what was the other thing I was going to say right there? I don't know. Markinson and Caffey, he made a flight disappear. Nathan Jessup, you're taking the stand Thursday. Take the log. I don't don't know. We'll come back to it. I guess. I don't know why I injected that. Let's keep going. Interior Caffey's apartment, Caffey's apartment later that night. And Sam and Joe have just heard the report he gave, uh, Caffey, there's gotta be someone who can testify to the flight, a ground control, a ground control. Ground crow. Uh, top of page 19, 119, guys. Uh, there's got to be someone who can testify to the flight. A ground crew member. Someone. Do you have any idea how many planes take off and land every day? A kid from the ground crew isn't going to remember a flight that landed four weeks ago. Kathy. That was outside. Uh, forget the flight. We'll put Markinson on the stand and we'll deal with Jessup's refusal to transfer Santiago and he'll testify the forge. Transporter. That'll be enough. That and Downey's testimony really ought to be enough. Cut to interior holding room day. Joe is working with Downey. Uh, Downey's kind of the goofball from Iowa, I believe. He sits on a mock witness stand. Joe. Uh, Private Downey. Why did you go into Santiago's room on the night of... To give Private Santiago a code red, ma'am. And why did you give him a code red? I was ordered to give him a code red by the executive officer for Rifle Security Company, Winward, Lieutenant Jonathan James Kendrick. Joe smiles. Joe, you're going to do fine. Downey smiles. Downey, you think they'll let us go back to our platoon, son? Uh, soon, ma'am? Absolutely. Careful, Joe. Okay, cut to the interior of the courthouse. Corridor day. We're back to the courthouse. Joe is going over last-minute details with Kathy. Okay, so I think they're going to call up Downey. They're going to lickety-split. They're going to get through this. Okay, Joe, you remember the question? You remember the order of the questions? Yes. Are you sure? Yes. And you'll use small words. Yes. He gets rattled when he doesn't understand something. Joe, I'm going to just, I'm just saying go slow. I'm going to go slow. Okay. All right. And get off as fast as you can. Joanne, what? He's going to be fine. They turn and head into the courtroom as we hear Markinson in voiceover. Markinson. Dear Mr. and Mrs. Santiago, cut to Markinson's room. This is where it gets sad for Markinson. Well, it's been sad for Markinson. Markinson's not had a great go of it so far. Markinson's room day. Markinson is writing a letter, and we hear it in V.O. I was William's company commander. I knew your son vaguely, which is to say I knew his name. 
While we continue to hear Markinson's voice writing the letter, we begin a series of shots. Markinson is getting into his Class A dress uniform, complete with medals, sidearm, and military dress saber. Markinson voiceover. In a matter of time, the trial of two men charged with your son's death will be concluded, and seven men and two women, whom you never met, will try to offer you an explanation as to why William is dead. For my part, I've done as much as I can to bring the truth to light. Markinson has finished dressing. He stands in the middle of the motel room. Markinson, voiceover continues. And the truth is this. Your son is dead for only one reason. I wasn't strong enough to stop it. Markinson takes a pistol out of his holster and cocks the trigger. Um, oh, yeah, yeah. I was talking about just I was going to wing it. Anyway, and sorry, this is not a good time to just fucking veer off and, and, and go back to finish a story from a second ago. Um because Markinson blows his head off right here. Page 122, always Captain Matthew Andrew Markinson. Markinson puts the pistol in his mouth in United States Marine Corps. Boom. Okay, Markinson's dead. Um, There is no Markinson. It's bad. His brain's all over the fucking room. Um, And I think pretty pretty soon Caffey's going to realize that and get drunk and everything. What I was going to say before I... On the old tangent, and I don't even know how I where I went off from what I was going to say... But what I was going to say is I, you know, I should I should not be like winging this shit. But when I do wing this shit, sometimes I'm right. I think the score on this is by a guy named um, Duffy, well, Duffy Waldorf or something like that. He's D- Duffy Snuffy Snuffy. It might be Snuffy. Um, hang on. Let me pause and I'll I'll Google it. Well, it appears I was wrong. I don't know who the def- who the fuck. I, the, I think that's the guy who did the West Wing. But I'm going to even feel stupid about that. Uh, I don't know where I might have just made up that name. Duffy Waldorf or whatever. Uh, it doesn't appear to be who did the score, but I love the score. It's very well done. Super good reporting stink. You are bound to get fucking paid soon. The way you, the quality the, the, the of content that I'm churning out. And I'm on your tail, Rogan. I'm on your fucking tail, pal. Anyway, I was wrong about that, guy. Sorry to interrupt the, the, the fucking actual suicide scene to get the score wrong. <laughs> okay. Uh, here's gonna. This is gonna even be a worse little segue. So it ends with you know, hey, uh, Marla, don't do that. And then, the shit circus, shit circus. Spotify reps are gonna hear this and go, yeah, yeah, yeah. We need to get this guy some sponsors. Let's do that. Lickety split. Um, anyway, uh, Markinson's dead, guys. After he signed off, we hear the blast of the gunshot, and I swear to God, it says as we cut to. So take a drink. But that's an as we. Uh, Segway, only uh, a Sorkin signature screenwriting trick as we cut to. So take a drink. Mm. Yippity splits. Good job. Okay, we got through that. Markinson did not. Uh, exterior, the courtroom day. Caffey is at the end of the of his examination of Downey. Marla just knocked over a, a fucking mug full of pens. Okay, episode episode seven of the Few Good Men season is fucking full of shit circus. Uh, anyway, let's just plow on, right? It's it does the, the slug line says exterior the courtroom day, but I think he's cross examining him in the courtroom. Not to get too fucking you know film school teachery, but uh, okay, I'm rattled, uh, Kathy. Private, uh, I want to tell. I want you to tell us one last time. Why did you go into Private Santiago's room on the night of August, whatever? Um, 
I like how I honestly do like how Sarkin leaves out some like details, and he's just like some fucking script assistant somewhere will fill these in because fuck this, I'm not gonna look things up. You know how I love that kind of thing. Uh, Downey, a red, a code red was ordered by my platoon commander, Lieutenant Jonathan James Kendrick. He should have gone by JJ. Anyway, thank you. You're a witness. Okay, here comes jumping Jack Ross. Private, for the week of two August, the switch log has you down at post. Is that correct? I'm sure it is, sir. They keep that log pretty good. How far is it from post 39 to the windward barracks? It's away, sir. It's a hike. About how far by Jeep? About 10, 15 minutes, sir. You ever had to walk it? Yes, sir. That day, Friday. The pickup private. So that's what we call the fellow who drops us off at our post and picks us up. Also because he can get girls in New York City. The pickup private got a flat. That's Noah, Noah Wiley. He's, he's cute. He can, he can drive your Jeep or he can steal your girlfriend. Sorry, let me get back to script. At the defense table. Cap, that's people just going to the pizza place downstairs. This is the best podcast background noise you're ever going to get. You could do an entire podcast based on identifying what the fuck is going on in the background. It stinks. Fucking podcast studio. It would be brilliant. Insert sponsorship here in the future. Okay. Back to script. Where is he going with this? Joe Scribbles and hands it back to Kathy. Now remember. Downey said don't do that. Or Kathy said don't do that. Here's Downey. Uh, right at 39, he pulled up and blam. A blot, no spare. The two of us had to double time it back to make the barracks. And if it's 10 or 15 minutes by Jeep, I'm guessing it must be, what, a good hour by foot? Am I right? Pick up a me private did it in 45 minutes, sir. And that's not what it says. It says pick up a me did it in 45 flat, sir. I don't know why my brain just fucking... You guys, you've heard enough, right? You know. Not bad. Uh, now, say your, your assault on Private Santiago was the result of an order that Lieutenant Kendrick gave in your barracks at 1620. Caffey knows what's coming. There's nothing he can do about it, and he can't lose his cool in front of the jury, but he knows what's coming. Yes, sir. Joe is helpless, panicked. But you just said you didn't make it back to Windward Barracks until 1645. Downey's confused. I know, babe. I know. It's, it's getting intense. Downey's confused. There are questions he hasn't been asked before. Sir? If you didn't make it back to your barracks until 1645, then how could you be in your room at 1620? You see, sir, there was a flat tire. Private, did you actually hear Lieutenant Kendrick order a code red? Caffey's world's falling down around him, and there's nothing he can do about it, and he knows it. Downey, no, sir. Joe leaps to her, her feet. Yeah, Joe's going to have to... Marla's still throwing pens around. She's fucking at it. She's, she just tore the, the, she tore the coffee mug off the shelf. The pens are everywhere now. She's got her she's got her paw on the shelf. Sorry, that's my cat. That's not part of the cross examination. But uh, Joe, played by Demi Moore, is about to freak out, and she already used her fucking freak out allowance on the uh, strenuous objection. So here we go. Please, the court. I'd like to request a recess in order to confer with my client. Why did you go into Santiago's room? The witness has rights. The witness has been read his rights, Commander. How? The question will be repeated. Why did you go into Santiago's room? Your Honor, Hal, did Corporal Dawson tell you to do it? Everyone's frozen. Ross, he did, didn't he? Dawson told you to give Santiago a code red. Downey looks at Dawson. Hal, don't look at him. Hal, <laughs> uh, private, answer the lieutenant's question. The room is still silent. Downey doesn't. Downey does something we've never seen him do before. He straightens himself up and says this with the pride of a man who believes he's done the right thing. Downey, yes, Lieutenant, 
I was given an order by my squad leader, Lance Corporal Harold W. Dawson of U.S. Marine Corps, and I followed it. Ross let that hang. Let it hang. He looks over at Coffee. Coffee won't meet his eyes. Cut to interior Caffey's apartment night. Joe and Sam are sitting in silence. It's dark outside. Uh, this is, yeah, this is where Caffey gets drunk and he, his little team's waiting for him. Let's take a drink in honor of... Guys, honestly, I don't know if you realize this, but the Tom Cruise career has this incredibly strange arc of him getting drunk in, like, fucking every film. So here we go. This is the scene where Tom Cruise gets to play drunk. But I'm going to take a drink first. Mm-mm. Where do you think he is, Joe says. Sam does not know. This is page 126. Joe is beside herself and trying to keep it together. Joe, continuing. As far as Downey was concerned, it was an order from Kendrick. It didn't matter that he didn't hear it firsthand. He doesn't distinguish between the two. Sam understands. But he doesn't say anything. Dude, Sam gets it. Like, fuck. Yeah, I understand these these guys are fucking psychos, but this doesn't look good for our case. Like, come on, lady. Do you, like, fucking A. Come on, Demi. Follow along. The door opens and here comes Caffey. Here's Johnny. Uh, so, Danny, I'm sorry, says Joe. Caffey seems to be in an incredibly normal mood. It's because he's wasted, I believe. Caffey, don't worry about it. Joe, Sam and I were just talking about how all we really have to do is call some witnesses who talk about implied orders. Or maybe we put Downey back on the stand before we get to Dawson. Maybe we work it. We can get a, we can get Dawson charged with the Kennedy assassination. Speaking of the Kennedy assassination, those fucking QAnons and the fucking Keith Richards thing still pisses me off daily. Leave Keith Richards out of your bullshit. That's rule number 15 from the Stink podcast. Another thing we learned. Just leave Keith Richards alone. He's doing a marvelous job being Keith Richards. He has been for fucking decades. Yeah, exactly. Somebody just slammed the door because they fucking don't want to hear me bitch about that. Joe studies Keffy for a minute. You guys can hear me, right? I hope this isn't some sort of weird ASMR thing for you fuckers. I don't really give a shit. Get me to 50 subscribers so I can fucking start... I'll start reading sponsorships and you guys can do whatever the fuck you want with this content. Okay, Joe, are you are you drunk? Pretty much, yeah. Joe gets busy. I'll make a pot of coffee. We have a long night's work ahead. Kathy, she's gonna make coffee. That's nice. He wasn't in the room wasn't even there that was an important piece of information don't you think joe danny it's just a setback i'm sorry but we'll fix it and then we'll move on to markinson markinson's dead joe and sam are frozen kathy says this with no particular feeling one way or another you really gotta hand it to those federal marshals boy it's not like he hanged himself by his shoelaces or slashed his wrist with a concealed butter knife no this guy got into full dress uniform. Yeah. Stood in the middle of that room, drew a nickel-plated pistol from his holster, and fired a bullet into his mouth. Joe and Sam don't say anything. Anyway, we seem to be out of witnesses. I thought I'd drink a little bit. Mm. Uh, I think we can win, Joe says. Cappy's still drunk. Then maybe you should drink a little. Joe, 
Uh, look, we'll go to Randolph in the morning and make a motion for a continuance 24 hours. Why would we do that? To subpoena Colonel Jessup. What? Listen for a second. No. Just hear me out. No. I won't listen to you and I won't hear you out. Your passion is comforting, Joe. It's also useless. Private Downey needed a trial already today. You chicken shit. You're going to use what happened today as an excuse to give up. It's over. Why did you ask Jessup for the transfer order? What are you in Cuba? Why did you ask Jessup for the transfer order? What does it mean? What does it matter? Why? I wanted the damn transfer order. Page 129, guys. Don't get lost in my in my impersonations. They're fucking amazing. Until we get to Jack and then they just fall apart. Ah, Joe, bullshit. You haven't, by the way, my my normal voice is pretty close to Demi Moore. She's She's got a deep voice. Maybe a smoker? I don't know. Maybe she should audition to be the Eddie Vedder in a, in a tribute band. I don't know, but it's weird. But I have to raise my voice to do Tom Cruise. So you take it any way you want. 129, bullshit. You could have gotten it by picking up the phone and calling any one of a dozen departments at the Pentagon. You didn't want the transfer order. You wanted to see Jessup's reaction when you asked for the transfer order. You had an instinct, and it was confirmed by Markinson. Now, damn it. Let's put Jessup on the stand and end this thing. Kathy, what's what possible good could come from putting Jessup on the stand? He told Kendrick to order the code red. He did? Why didn't you say so? That's great. And of course you have proof of that. I, I keep forgetting you were sick the day they taught law at law school. Uh, ooh, I love that joke. You were sick the day they taught. I'm not kidding. That's a good one. I'm sorry. I have a sore neck. Because I last night, remember last night, I did fucking record a couple of podcasts from a stool, a hard stool, because my my boss over here, the executive producing fucking Wonder Cat, wouldn't get the fuck out of my chair. So anyway, uh, yeah, so okay, Kathy's screaming, you have proof of that. I, hey, I keep forgetting you were just sick the day the car Yeah, I do like that joke. I'm often sick the day they taught anything. History, for one, uh the meaning of the word brig for two anything anything I've ever done I fucking didn't I wasn't there for the day they taught it in school you put him on the stand and you go get it from him yeah no problem we get it him we, we, we get it from him colonel isn't it true that you ordered the code red on Santiago Sam look we're all a little I'm sorry your time's run out what do we have for the losers judge well for our defendants it's a lifetime of exotic Fort Leavenworth and for defense counsel, Kathy, that's right, it's a court-martial. Yay, Johnny. After falsely accusing a Marine officer of conspiracy, Lieutenant Kathy will have a long and prosperous career teaching typewriter Marines at the Rocco School for Women. <laughs> I can't believe my, my, what my fucking neighbors must have to go through. Dude, I'm always screaming at my fucking computer screen with the fucking headphones on. I'm always running for my cat. And fucking Browns games, fucking police chases. I'm always posting music and fucking practicing guitar. My neighbors are fucking real legitimate people. And I'm over here doing this shit nonstop. Anyway. <clears throat> we'll have a long as a Rocco school for them. Thank you for playing. Should we or should we not follow the advice of the galactic life? Okay, take it easy, Cruzo. All right, I'm going to have to chill out or shut those fucking windows. And with one motion, he knocks everything from his desk. A ton of papers, books, files, etc. falls to the floor. Oh, thank God. Yeah, there's also fucking tr uh, drag race 
fucking stripped on it. I, I live so close to everything that makes noise. It's amazing. And I swear to God, they're putting in a new train station uh, on top of it all, like a quarter mile away. So, so on top of all of this, there'll be construction and then a fucking train station. And uh, here we are doing podcasts. Um, yeah. Okay. So he's do not follow the advice of the galactically stupid. Let's get through the drunk scene and then we'll call it an episode and maybe we'll we'll finish up on the next one. This might be eight episodes plus plus the post. <laughs> okay. Uh, yeah. It's just uh, Kathy breathing hard. It's it also rained on that night or maybe it was fake ring. I don't know. But uh, Joe. I'm sorry I lost your set of steak knives, which is a pretty fucking good dig for when you're like, dude, sorry I didn't fucking properly prepare my witness and it ruined our case and you're drunk now and I'm going to just sarcastically and passive aggressively make you feel like an asshole when I should have fucking definitely known that. Uh, But yeah, Joe's not into that. She picks up her purse and leaves and uh, Kathy walks into the kitchen without a word. Sam gets down on the floor and begins picking up all the stuff that Kathy just knocked off. Uh, Kathy comes back with a bottle of Jack Daniels. Uh, stop cleaning up. This is a this is a tough one. Uh, but Sam's going to continue cleaning up. Sam, stop cleaning up. Sam stops, sits in a chair. Kathy sits on the couch. You want a drink? Yeah. Sam takes a swig from the bottle. Sam is played by the wonderful uh, Kevin Pollock, and I'm so sorry it took me four episodes to figure that out. But he's a good dude, and, and uh, yeah, he's done. He has he has a better Jack impersonation than I do. Page 131. Dad talk. Here we go. Ready? 131, guys. Is your father proud of you? Sam says, don't do this to yourself. I'll bet he is. I'll bet he bores the, sh- bores the shit out of neighbors and the relatives. Sam made law review. He's got a big t- case he's making. He's arguing. He's making an argument. I think my father would have enjoyed seeing me graduate from law school. I think he would have liked that. An awful lot. Sam, did I ever tell you that I wrote a paper on your father in college? Yeah. He was one of the best trial lawyers ever. Yes, he was. And if I were Dawson and Downey and I had a choice between you and your father to represent me in this case, I'd take you any day of the week and twice on Sunday. You should have seen yourself thunder away at Kendrick. Would you put Jessup on the stand? No. You think my father would? With the evidence we got, not in a million years. But here's the thing, and there's really no way of getting around this. Neither Lionel Caffey nor Sam Weinberg are lead counsel for the defense in the matter of U.S. versus Dawson and Downey. So there's only one question. What would you do? We hold on the two of them for a moment, then cut to... Uh, this is the outside... The... It's raining. It's it's coming down. It's raining. I don't know if it's in the script. But it's raining. Exterior, a suburban street night. So I, probably near Georgetown. I, you know, he loves to drop that Georgetown. Joe is walking through the night at a brisk pace. She's doing her best not to fall apart. Two headlights appear coming down the street. Kathy's car, and with Sam driving, and Kathy riding shotgun. Slows down alongside Joe. Kathy rolls down his window. Joanne. Joe ignores him and keeps walking. Car crawls along. Joe starts walking faster. Kathy continuing, Joe, we look ridiculous. Stop the car. Kathy hops out and calls, Joanne. Joe keeps walking. I apologize. I was angry and I'm sorry about what I said, but Joe keeps walking. I'm going to put Jess up on the stand. She turns around. 
cut to uh cut to those people okay then we'll start the next episode right there with the nerf ball off the wall on page 133 and uh yeah i think we might be able to wrap it up from there that's when kathy decides hey you know what i don't give a shit i'm gonna do it i got i gotta do it i'm gonna do it i'm gonna go after it to hell with the fucking damn the torpedoes let's go get them see you next time guys Please remain in your seat until the light turns on and a monkey will be along shortly to take you to your exit. <laughs> yeah. Son, we live in a world that has walls and those walls have to be guarded by men with guns. Who's gonna do it? You? You, Lieutenant Weinberg? I have a greater responsibility than you can possibly fathom. You weep for Santiago and you curse the Marines. You have that luxury. You have the luxury of not knowing what I know. That Santiago's death, while tragic, probably saved lives. And my existence, while grotesque and incomprehensible to you, saves lives. You don't want the truth because deep down in places you don't talk about at parties. You want me on that wall. You need me on that wall. We use words like honor, code, loyalty. We use these words as the backbone of a life spent defending something. You use them as a punchline. I have neither the time nor the inclination to explain myself to a man who rises and sleeps under the blanket of the very freedom that I provide and then questions the manner in which I provide it. I would rather you just said thank you and went on your way. Otherwise, I suggest you pick up a weapon and stand a post. Either way, I don't give a damn what you think you are entitled to. Thank you for playing, should we or should we not? Follow the advice of the galactically stupid!